the latest episode of Connor's new Organisational Change and HR Services podcast, when we invite guests to tell us about what's on their minds when managing their people and their businesses. This series is specifically focused on a number of topics that our customers, colleagues and industry leaders are telling us are currently problematic, challenging or indeed just on trend. We're inviting guests to discuss with us and share their views on a variety of subjects close to their hearts. Everything from neurodiversity and recruitment to parental returners and their wide experience to embedding a menopause policy and how to protect that talent pool that this impacts. They're all high profile headlines in today's contemporary organisations. So it's with great pleasure, therefore, that I introduce my guest today, Richard Kleiner, who is CEO at Gerald Edelman. Welcome, Richard, and thanks so much for joining me this morning. Good morning. So, Richard, the topic we're talking about today is simply how to introduce sustainability initiatives, policies and principles in SMEs. And Richard, as a firm of chartered accountants, GE has really a no-nonsense progressive philosophy and approach about the future. And if I may quote your website, um, you talk about beyond accountancy, grow and future-proof your business with exceptional advice and strategic thinking. So, so on that basis, Richard, GE and the partners are clearly passionate about and being committed to developing for the future. So how has the business made a start and incorporated operational change, I guess, particularly instigated by the recent pandemic, to support your specific environmental initiatives? Um, yes, well, the whole area, Nikki, is a really interesting one. And um, our, our sort of strapline about beyond accountancy uh, is very much about um, we believe that the professional services advisor has to think and act in a different way to what um, past generations have done. And nothing should be beyond limits in terms of what clients and indeed um, our team uh, require us to look at. Um, and obviously through the pandemic, um, we've uh, there's been a number of changes that uh, have, uh, if, if there can be anything positive coming out of the pandemic, then some of these changes are positive because it's basically brought forward probably by five to ten years, people's changing working methods. Um, we obviously, like many other companies, um, uh, respected the lockdown completely. Um, but obviously, since the, the so-called Freedom Day, uh, we have uh, reopened our office. Um, our particular circumstances um, are somewhat different because fortuitously, uh, our North London office lease came to an end last summer. And uh, we were going to replace it, but obviously with the pandemic, we decided not to. So work from home policy is something that is here to stay, um, predominantly because we can't fit everyone in anymore. Right. <laughs> so, so they've got to start working from home. But we've been quite liberal about it, and we've tried to be set sort of um, the standards for other professional services firms. So we were very quick off the mark in in having a draft work from home policy, which we said to our team that we would uh, monitor and review and update periodically. But essentially, we're saying to our team, um, work from home is here to stay. We Obviously, the office is there for meetings and collaboration, um, but we do expect people to come in, even if only for their mental well-being, at least one day a week. Now, a lot of our competitors and other service providers are insisting on three four days a week when we're, we're limiting it to one for the time being and we're going to see how how we go obviously from a, from bringing that into the sustainability uh, subject obviously means that uh, our team obviously spend less time traveling 
and commuting. Um, our only office now is in the city of London, so driving to the office is is a non-starter for everybody. So it's all always public transport, which is obviously something that is going to uh, carry on, um, not just for us but others. Um, whereas our North London office, most of the people that um, frequented there had to drive. Right. So you know, through a bit of luck and also respecting the sort of the new normal. Um, we've actually started to um, move along that sort of so-called path to net zero. OK, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, so. What barriers from a people perspective do you think um, SMEs face when considering an implementation? So you, you've started, you've made some small operational changes and we'll talk about those in a minute. But what are the. What are the barriers in terms of costs, resources and knowledge when you want to start looking at something like this? Well, again, really pertinent question. And um, I mean, we're a mid-tier firm of accountants, so um, we're very much an SME. Uh, we're about 145 people. Um, we're just inside the top 50 in terms of um, turnover size um, amongst the accountancy sector. Um, and, and costs and resources and knowledge are very pertinent issues. So um, quite recently, we formed a sustainability committee. Um, a lot of our young team members are on that committee. Uh, one of my partners chairs it, but I'm on there very much to support the whole process as we move towards the, the so-called net zero. Um, and at the moment, we're we're sort of um, we're sort of brainstorming ideas, but inevitably we're going to take on an external consultant. Um, to help us create strategies that can move us further along down that road. But of course, those strategies have to fit within certain cost parameters. We can't mm -hmm. we can't create too much upheaval and we've got to take the whole firm with us. Uh, inevitably, there's going to be some of our team members, probably the older ones, to be honest, um, present company accepted, of course, <laughs> um, um, but uh, where where they're a bit stuck in their ways and and they don't like change. Um, so therefore, we've got to try and whatever new initiatives we bring in, that, that it's got to be it's got to fit within the cost metrics, but also um, within the resource and, and particularly people resource. It's got to be something that, you know, can be easily accepted over a period of time. Um, knowledge is obviously uh, a key matter and hence why we've got to gain more knowledge and hence why we will take on external consultants and, and advice to gain that knowledge. Um, things that, you know, I can read about like, you know, if we're going to go traveling outside London, let's go and invest in planting some trees somewhere and offset um, our miles. Um, but that's that's quite simple. I think there's a lot more um, in-depth strategies that uh, we should be doing. Well, one particular one we've changed recently because one of our younger sustainable sustainability committee members said, rather than use Google as our internet search engine, can't we use Ecosia because it's more environmentally friendly? So we have, we have. Okay. I said, yeah, but of course, you know, I said as long as it it fires up roughly in the same way. Um, that's fine. You know, the minute that it doesn't, then you're going to get moans from some of your colleagues that, you know, they can't get onto the internet as quickly or it's too cumbersome or whatever. So small things like that is a start um, and it's about having the right mindset to mm. follow through. And and with, with switching to a, a search engine like that, have you found that people have just accepted it or have yes. people been? Yes. 
Yeah. I, if I'm being honest, um, most people probably don't even know it's changed. Notice. They yeah. d they click on they click on 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 Chrome. They think it's Google, but actually it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's changed. So so they don't because people immediately put in you know the particular website or the search they want, and as long as it gets there reasonably quickly, they won't even notice any difference. So it's and those that's only the experience to date. Yeah, and but it's those small subtle changes that you can make without any upheaval that Correct. start the process Correct. and satisfy the 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 people in the committee that have strong ideas and views on it. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think one of the points as well is that you know I recognise that we we all, but Gerald Edelman in this particular case, need to move along the path in embracing and respecting sustainability. Because when legislation comes, and it will come, it may not be for two years, three years, possibly even five plus years, but when it comes, we want it to be a soft landing for us because we're already doing a lot of it. Um, whereas other companies, perhaps smaller than us, who don't have the resources or the budget to embrace some of these things, will find it much tougher to transition into that new legislative environment. Yeah, it's going to be a much bigger mountain to climb, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So so on that on that basis then, Richard, and this is the next the next question really. So an organization has made the decision to go down a sustainability route, have policies and initiatives, um, corporate social responsibility, and everybody talks about it all the time. But mm. who's responsible for it truly in the business? Is it um just the your work the working group that you've put together? Is it the leadership? Is it coming from you as CEO? Is it the HR team that embed that policy and process? Who really owns it from your perspective? Uh, I'm, maybe this is a slight sort of a romantic notion. I think we all own it, actually. Yeah. I, think, I think this is so big, so far beyond our firm, our sector, our market, even our economy, that I think we all own it. And therefore, one of the things around the, the Sustainability Committee is we want everyone to to initiate ideas and things to consider. Clearly, the leadership, rather than HR or indeed the committee itself, the leadership of the firm through the exec board um, has a responsibility to to implement and follow through and, if you like, sustain the various initiatives and strategies. But in terms of ownership, I think every member of our team has ownership of it. Mm -hmm. This is this is not. Um, the so you know the, it, it, this this shouldn't be the mandate of just one single person. We should all be doing our bit to help. And if the exec board may not have the ideas, but are helping by putting some money behind the initiatives and strategies, or just making sure that we drive the process, so be it. Did you find you had a queue for people yes. to join the committee? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did. We limited it to ten, which is quite a big committee, mm. but we had fifteen. That wanted it, and in the end, we just said, you know, it, it, we're going to limit it at ten, first come, first serve. And mm. um, and out of interest, what types of employee are on the committee? Are they mixed from all departments, all, all age departments. groups? All all departments, all age groups. So we've got audit seniors, audit managers, um, uh, credit control, um, back office finance, uh, stat company secretarial department. There's somebody you know, marketing, you know, so it is across because again, this is this is something which which is beyond mm. what we do day to day. This is far bigger than mm. any department, any firm, as I say, even any nation. 
Yeah, so it's that joint campaign approach, isn't it? Everybody feels they've got something to contribute. Very much so. Very much Good. so. OK, um, earlier when we were talking, we talked about um, moving towards net zero um, mm. and how in the future we think that we're going to need to be reporting on net zero as we are on the gender pay gap, et cetera, et cetera, today. Um, how does an SME finance company like yourselves even start with thinking about that? How do you move towards it? Um, small steps. Mm -hmm. Small steps. There's no point going um, after making bold statements um, and putting unrealistic um, time objectives on the agenda. It really isn't. I think I think until there is legislation, as, and as I mentioned before, that may be some years away, um, it has to be small steps so that we, because we have to carry the whole firm with us. There's no point us putting together some strategies that only half the firm adopt, because that will create resentment in the team. As, as I mentioned before, some people, you know, um, maybe a bit sort of conservative with a small C, um, don't really want change and, you know, may may have different theories about climate change and other sustainability issues anyway. So we've got to make things that are easy to implement, easy to adopt. And like I mentioned before about the, in the internet search engine, they don't even know the change has been made mm. in many respects. And it, mm. and it's trying to, now that may be a little bit idealistic and then and some of the changes will inevitably have to um, uh, impact on, on people's day-to-day -day lives. Um, but we're trying to soften that as much as possible mm. um, because otherwise, um, uh, you know, it's going to be a much tougher mountain to climb. And and business, business, I, I see with sustainability, business should lead the way. Yeah. Um, you know, we all spend uh, far more time at work, whether it's home or in the office, than spending time, you know, at leisure or with our families. And and the leaders of business need need to effectively bring out those searchlights and those torches and lead the, the their respective firms down the path to you know, a, a better, more sustainable uh, existence and, and, and respect the ecosystems that we all operate in. And and where where do you think this pressure to be green, if you want to call it that, and reduce carbon emissions, do you think it's specific to or, or is it particularly um, important to the finance marketplace? Um, is it the consumers or is it the government? What, what's driving the pressure, do you think, to um, reduce carbon emissions? Uh, <laughs> It, I'm slightly cynical about about politicians. So I think um, the politicians um, of today, uh, even even the Chinese, have said they're not they're not going to support future coal powered fire powered stations any mm -hmm. um, um, uh, anymore. So um, so I but I think that that uh, I'm not just referring to our own government, but they they sense the the sort of road we're on, and it it. Um, it suits them to make um, statements which um, will be politically advantageous to them, yeah, but it doesn't matter actually. Mm. I don't care to be uh, to be honest um, that um, they are doing that as long as they follow through. Yeah, they have to follow through, and therefore I think the pressure is coming from the younger generation. I mean, my my own son has decided to go back to university and do a master's in climate change policy. He wants to make a difference. Yeah. Um, and I think I think his generation, whether it's the millennials or Gen Zs, they want to make a difference, and and we need to embrace their enthusiasm and passion for it, as long as what we do can can fit in 
to what we do on a day-to-day basis so there isn't too much upheaval but yeah. we have to we have to start on the road because if yeah. we keep on dithering it'll be too late so we have to start on the road and, and small steps is the way to do it yeah and that gen z for want of a better description they are the future of our employees they're the ones coming through yeah. and that's going to change the perspective and the view and i think you know where do you see um, initiatives like cop 26 coming through obviously we're hosting it as a, as a nation in um, november um do you think that has an influence do you think some of the the I think I think yeah I think it it does have an influence to a certain extent. I think COP26 um in terms of the event itself will be quite superficial. But what it does it puts climate change um on the front page of the yeah. newspapers and on on the first news item and anything that does that can only be a good thing because people start thinking about it mm. and talking about it and hopefully then start in their own way taking small steps as I said before. Uh, on that road to you know create more sustainable existence um so I'm, i i don't have uh, particular um uh, high expectations of cop 26 in terms of the technical detail but the fact that it's it's newsworthy and will be you know very much particularly as it's in glasgow uh, very much on on our front pages will hopefully instill you know more enthusiasm amongst not just the younger generation but um the 40 pluses yeah, absolutely. Um, Richard, you know, you're obviously um, very keen to um, get behind this and as CEO, what role do you think you're playing to successfully impl- implement these sustainability policies? Are people uh, looking to you to guide? Are they looking to you to give their your view? What What part are you actually playing for GE? Well, as chair of our exec board, um, and as uh, a member of the sustainability committee, I, I see my role um, is very much to be the mouthpiece for the firm and for the committee when when presenting ideas and budgets to the exec board um, uh, to make sure that we we continue along this path. Um, so I think it's it's something that uh, I have a certain amount of passion for. I think it's the right thing to do, um, and I think our team and our new team members you know we we probably take on 10 15 people every year i think they expect it from an employer to be yes. more responsible um that may that you some people may be a little bit cynical in the way i'm about politicians that oh so you're doing it because actually commercially it's got advantages possibly that's part of it but so what as long as we're doing it it's about attracting talent yeah and also it's about doing it yeah. whatever, whatever has given you the initiative or the incentive and all the motivation to start it's about getting on that road and start just start walking start walking down that commit. road commit commit exactly and and therefore having a, a committee um such as what we've got is something where there will be commitment because i've said to everybody we all have responsibilities to sustain the sustainability committee and it is yeah. sustaining it and making sure that there's there's enthusiasm and passion and you know those those eight non-partner members of it through their various connections because they are from a completely diverse different departments in our firm they'll get to speak to all their team members about ideas and get ideas from them so that's why i say that the ownership of the of the whole movement is actually one which is very much a collective one rather than 
um, uh, targeted amongst a, a few people or even one person. Mm. So advocacy across the whole firm. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, at the, at the moment, we—I mean, we only started the committee back in April, um, and we've only had two meetings. But at the moment, we're beauty parading a couple of consultancies um, mm -hmm. to try and help us. Some the the problem is some of those consultancies really only belong to the very large corporates. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from a cost point of view, I mean, it would just it would just be nonsensical to take them on and they'll want us to do things that we just will find a struggle. Yeah. So it's finding the, the consultancies that will enable um, us to be able to, you know, take a very pragmatic but positive stance to the whole thing. And I think that's where government might be able to help by in the, in the same way that they give a certain matched um, a credit system on export, they could do the same with sustainability yes. and have and have approved consultants who will come in and you know if it costs ten grand, maybe the government will pay you know thirty percent and the and the and the company pays seventy percent something like that, which will effectively give more incentive to c c companies taking on uh, that external help. Yeah, and enable SMEs to have the same opportunity to make the difference, but cut their cloth accordingly. Exactly. And that's the key. That's the key. It's, it's cutting the cloth accordingly and making sure that we can all get start walking on that on that long road um, and make it that that financially it's it's not too unwieldy and, and, and mm. not too problematic in terms of uh, the implementation. Yeah, and it's that proportionate implementation. That's exactly right. Um, it's got to be fit for purpose for the organisation, but enable everybody to do their part, make their. Yeah. yeah, indeed, indeed, and and I think it's it's making sure that, um, you know, eighteen months down the road, the strategies that we would have um, implemented, everyone would have accepted, mm. because. You know they're here to stay a bit like working from home you know who would have yes. thought that we'd all be working from home 18 months ago but here we are today and you know probably only 20 percent of, of my team are in and the yeah. rest are happily working from home some people would have thought oh no i can't stand that but they've adopted they've adapted sorry to yeah. to the new norm and and the sustainability and the strategies that go along with it is very much going to be the same type yeah. of approach the new it'll be the new norm too yeah exactly yeah. Exactly. Richard, that's been incredibly insightful. Thank you very much for um, talking to me this morning and going through those questions. My I pleasure. really appreciate it.